Amen. All right, let's take our Bibles and let's turn to 1 Chronicles chapter number 16. The Old Testament, 1 Chronicles 16. The occasion that brings about what we're going to see here in this chapter is the return of the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord to Israel. It was brought to Israel where David had prepared a place in Jerusalem for it. Let me give you a little bit of background here. Back during the days of the prophet Samuel, uh, he was serving under the priest Eli at the time in 1 Samuel 4. The Philistines captured the Ark of the Covenant out of Shiloh where the Ark had been since the days of Joshua. And when the Ark of God was taken... The two wicked sons of Eli, by the name of Hophni and Phinehas, they were killed. When Eli heard that the ark of God had been taken, he fell off his judgment seat by the side of the gate, fell backwards, broke his neck, and he died. Now Eli's pregnant daughter-in-law, Phinehas's wife, heard what had happened to the ark of God uh, and what happened to Eli, and what had happened to her husband, Phinehas. And she went into labor, delivered a son, and named him Ichabod as she died. Real happy story, right? (laughs) Ichabod means, where is the glory, or there is no glory. And when she named him, she said, "The, the, the glory of the Lord has departed. Amen. And so... Uh, the Ark of God, which was the which was representative of the the presence of the Lord among God's people, uh, was not in the land from that point for uh, a, a certain period forward. The Philistines actually got the Ark of the Covenant. They carried it to the house of their god. Their god was Dagon. They set it beside Dagon. They came the next morning and Dagon was flat, uh, flat on the floor right before uh, uh, the Ark of God. And the Lord God messed with their God there. Uh, the next day they found him again falling off his, on his face before the Ark of, uh, of God again. But this time his head and his hands were cut off and only a stump remained. And so God was messing with their gods there. And then the, the, the Lord God plagued the Philistines. Uh, so the Philistines said, we got to get rid of this thing. They put it on a cart. They sent it away to Beth Shemesh, where the, the men decided to look into the ark of God and were killed. And they sent messengers to the inhabitants of kerjath Jerim, uh, who took the ark of God home with them to the place where it abode for the next 20 years. Yeah. And it was in the house of Abinadab where it was kept by his son Eleazar who was actually uh, sanctified to, to take care of the ark. Now David had a desire to bring the ark to his home, the city of David. But they didn't follow God's written instructions about carrying the ark. Uh, they were supposed to carry it a certain way and only certain people were supposed to bear it. And they didn't follow God's instructions in the law and uh, when they had it in a cart, uh, carrying it in a way not prescribed, uh, the, uh, the, there was a, a, a hole, I guess, that the, that the uh, tire went into and bumped the thing. It was about to slide off, and Uzzah put his hand out so it wouldn't fall. 
when Uzzah put his hand out and touched it, he wound up losing his life. And David could not understand what had happened. And so there was another three-month delay there in taking the ark to where uh, it was supposed to go. The ark was in the house of Obadum, um, the Gittite, for those three months. Now David prepared a place for the ark in Jerusalem, and they went up uh, the right way this time with Levites, and they brought the ark to Jerusalem. And then we see this time of thanksgiving and praise here for the ark being back. Notice verse number 1, 1 Chronicles 16, verse 1. So they brought the ark of God and set it in the midst of the tent that David had pitched for it. And they offered burnt offerings, but burnt sacrifices and peace offerings before God. And when David had made an end of offering the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord. And he dealt to every one of Israel, both man and woman, to every one a loaf of bread and a good piece of flesh and a flagon of wine. And he appointed, notice this, he appointed certain of the Levites to minister before the ark of the Lord and to record and to thank and praise the Lord God of Israel. That's what they will do, thank and praise the Lord God of Israel. Asaph, the chief, now you'll notice that name Asaph, you'll find it quite a bit and some of the psalms. He was a psalmist himself. And, uh, and next to him, Zechariah, Jeel, and uh, Shemarath, and, and Jehiel, and uh, some other folks there. Amen. <laughs> Look down at verse number uh, number 6. Benaniah and also Jehaziel, the, the priests with trumpets continually before the ark of the covenant of God. So they're making a big to-do thanking and praising God. And notice verse 7, Then on that day David delivered first this psalm to thank the Lord and to the hand of Asaph and his brethren. So we see certain Levites were appointed to give continual praise and thanks to God. However, I want you to understand all of God's people should be actively involved in giving praise. Amen? It's not just for a few. It's not good enough that we appoint others to offer praise and thanks for us. We must actively be involved in these activities ourselves. So praise and thanksgiving, we know ought to be a regular part of our lives, not re- reserved only for special celebrations. Now, we, we do uh, have a special day this week that, we, uh, that is set aside to thank and praise God. But that's not the only time we're to thank and praise God. As we come together, uh, it's God's people. We're to thank and praise God. When we're at home and, uh, and we think upon the Lord, we're to thank and praise God, aren't we? I mean, it, it ought to be a continual thing in our life. It, because if we make a habit of offering praise to God and giving thanks to God continually, then we will be less likely to take His blessings for granted. You ever taken some of the, God's blessings for granted? And yeah, We all have, I think, at one time or another. That's, that's a sad way to be, isn't it? You know, I, I, but uh, there are several elements that we will notice in the rest of this chapter that the uh, of true thanksgiving that's revealed here in these verses. Um, the first element of true thanksgiving is to remember the marvelous works that God has done. Let's begin. Let's begin reading there in verse number eight. Uh, it says, "Give thanks." Unto the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people. 
Sing unto him, sing psalms unto him, talk ye of all his wondrous works. Glory ye in his holy name. Let the heart of them rejoice and seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face continually. Remember his marvelous works. And now we're going to we're going to begin with that in verse 12. Remember his marvelous works that he hath done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. So the first element of true thanksgiving is to remember the marvelous works that God has done. We're to remember his wonders there according to verse number 12. What is a wonder? A wonder is a miracle. Amen. Uh, think about the miracles of God as we know them in the scripture. The wonder of his creation. Doesn't it make you wonder when you take a look at God's creation and you think, boy, my, what a mighty God we serve, Right? I mean, when you just uh, you think on a, a level uh, that uh, the world doesn't think about a whole lot, uh, you come to realize that, uh, my, we have a wonderful God. You know, making something out of nothing certainly qualifies as a wonder, don't you think? And when we think about the wonder of His creation, that's exactly what the Lord did. Uh, Psalm 33, verse number 9 says, For He spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. I'll just take you back to Genesis chapter number 1, and we see that when the Lord made things, he said, God said, let there be, and there was. I mean, they don't get much more of a miracle than that. I mean, when you have nothing and you make something out of it, that is a wonderful thing. Look at, look at Psalm 148. Hold your place there. We're going to be right back in First uh, 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 Chronicles. But look at Psalm 148. And... Here's a psalm that brings this to mind. That's, you know, the psalms are, are for the purpose of worship and praise and, and getting our mind on the things of the Lord. And th- this psalm certainly does that very thing. Look at Psalm 148, verse number 1. Praise ye the Lord. Uh, praise ye the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise ye Him, all His angels. Praise ye Him, all His hosts. Praise ye Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all ye stars of light. And all those things do bring forth this praise, don't they? I mean, it says, hey, God, God made me. <laughs> you know, I'm here because of the Lord. It says, praise Him. There in verse number 4, praise Him, ye heavens of heavens, and ye waters that be above the, the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for He commanded, and they were created. In other words, He said, let there be. And there was. Verse 6, He hath also established them forever and ever, and He hath made a decree which shall not pass. Praise the Lord from the earth, ye dragons and all deeps, fire and hail, snow and vapor, stormy and wind, fulfilling His word, mountains and, and all hills, fruitful trees and all cedars, beasts and all cattle, creeping things and flying fowl, kings of the earth and all people, princes and all judges of the earth both young men and maidens, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for His name alone is excellent. His glory is above the, the earth and heaven. He also exalteth the horn of His people, the, the praise of all His saints, even the children of Israel, a people near unto Him. Praise ye the Lord. We ought to praise the Lord. Amen. Psalm 8, verse number 3 and 4 says this, says, When I consider thy heavens. You ever just sit around and just think about the heavens that the God's made? Maybe, you, you know, I, 
can't do this much uh, in, when you're in the city, near the city. But back when we lived out in the country, you could see the you could see the heavens. Uh, there weren't the, the light pollution that we have today. And you just used to think about God and think about His creation. And the psalmist says in Psalm 8, verse 3 and 4, When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? You know, we just, it, it's a wonder, isn't it? Uh, that the Lord would even uh, think about us, but He, he does. Isaiah 40, verse number 25 and 26. The Lord said, To whom then will ye liken me, or shall I be equal? saith the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high, and behold who hath created these things, that bringeth out their hosts by number. He calleth them all by names, by the greatness of his might, for, for that he is strong in power, not one faileth. Now we know from uh, what we read and uh, the news and hear uh, uh, them talk about that uh, scientists today can't even tell you how many, how many uh, heavenly bodies that there are. But God's so great, He can call them all by name. He's got them named. Isn't that great? I mean, He's, he's just a wonderful God. Romans 1 verse 20 says, For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Listen, God has given light to man and His creation. And when man refuses to acknowledge God, you know, God's not obligated to give further light. Uh, but he has given the light. And thank, thank God He's given light. And men are to look and they're to see, yes, there is a God. And they are to acknowledge Him. There's the wonder of His creation. There's not only the wonder of His creation, there's the wonder of His coming. Think about God, uh, God's first coming. Uh, God became flesh for us. Isaiah prophesied it in Isaiah 7:14 Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign behold a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel That season is coming up on us uh, real fast Fa- faster than all I like to think amen uh, where did this where did this year go But he's the Emmanuel he is the God with us our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is Listen to what Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 3:16 He says, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Did you hear that? God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. My mind goes to John John's Gospel, chapter number 1, verse number 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and, and without Him was not anything that made that was made. And it tells us down in verse 14 who that Word was. That is Jesus. Amen. And, and the Word was made flesh. That Word that was in the beginning was made flesh. And uh, that's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The wonder of His coming. God came to earth and, uh, in the person of Jesus Christ. And the Apostle John also recorded in 1 John chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, listen to these words. He says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. He's talking about they were in the very presence of Jesus. <laughs> 
uh, talking about how real Jesus was. It says, For the life was manifested, uh, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. God with us. Amen. He's the God with us. Then there's the wonder of His compassion. Uh, hold your place there in First Chronicles. Look at Ephesians chapter number 2 for just a minute. Ephesians chapter number 2. And we're going to uh, share some verses out of Ephesians 1 also from here. So when I finish with verse number, uh, with uh, the ver- verses out of verse number two, um, out of chapter number two, don't don't close it up, okay? Because we're going to be in chapter no- number one here in just a minute. But the wonder of His compassion. I'm talking about His love. Amen. Look at Ephesians chapter number two and verse number four. But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, for by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. What a blessing. We sang the song a while ago, the love of God. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. What glory is in that? Amen. And then, as Brother Sam also mentioned, that, that last verse, could we with ink the ocean fill and were the skies a parchment made, were every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade. To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole those stretch from sky to sky. We can start praising the Lord today until Jesus comes back and we, we wouldn't run out of things to praise Him for. Ephesians 3.19 says, To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. It passes our knowledge. Amen. Uh, Romans 5, verse number 6 through 8 says, For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man one will die. Yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us. That And while we were yet sinners. Think about that. What a wonder. While we were yet sinners Christ died for us. John 15.13 says greater love hath no man than this. That a man lay down his life for his friends. I told you we're going to look at Ephesians 1. Look at Ephesians 1 there in verse number 6. Talking about Jesus Christ here. So to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. That's talking about Jesus. Jesus was the Beloved of His Father. And whom we have redemption through His blood. Amen. Right there. Praise God. We have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace, wherein He hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. So we see the wonder of His creation, the wonder of His coming, the wonder of His compassion, and then there's going to be the wonder that we're waiting on, the wonder of His coming again. Amen? Uh, aren't you ready to see Jesus? I, I most certainly am. We, I, I, I will, I'm, I'm longing for the time that He comes. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, verse number 51. Let me, let me read a passage to you here. It says, Behold, I show you a mystery, Paul told the Corinthian church. He said, We shall not all sleep, 
But we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. I, I tell you, that's, that is something, that's a wonder, isn't it? That's going to be a, a miracle when we're changed out of these corruptible bodies into incorruption. So for this corruption must put on incorruption, this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. And we're looking for that time, amen. We are longing for that time. We all know that the Apostle Paul also wrote to the Thessalonian church and he told them that the Lord shall himself, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. That's a wonder. I mean, that's a miracle of God that's going to take place one day. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Listen, in this old wicked world, uh, we look around, there's no comfort to be found there, but there's comfort to be found in the Lord. And especially comfort with regard to His coming again. Back to our passage of Scripture there in First First Chronicles, excuse me, First Chronicles chapter number 16. We remember his wonders. Not only that, we remember his judgments. Look down to verse number 12 again. Remember his marvelous works that he hath done, his wonders, and the judgments of his mouth. O ye seed of Israel, his servant, ye children of Jacob, his chosen ones, he is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. Um, You know, in this present world, I know that there's a concern that judgment may be skewed, and it often is. Sometimes justice is denied, and that's sad that that takes place. But that's not true with the Lord. Amen? The Lord's judgment is true and righteous altogether. In fact, that's what Psalm 19, verse number 9 tells us. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Psalm 119, verse 7 says, I will praise thee with uprightness of heart when I shall have learned thy righteous judgments. Psalm 119 to verse 62. At midnight will I rise uh, to give thanks unto thee because of thy righteous judgments. In Romans 2, verse number 2 says that we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth. When God judges, you can guarantee that it's going to be the right judgment. Amen? And he's going to give a, a, a correct a, a judgment and assessment of things. His judgments are described in Scripture as good and right and true. And uh, praise God for that. Job 23, verse number 10 says, But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Let's pick up in verse number 15 here. And we see that we are not only remember his wonders and remember his judgments, but remember his covenant. His covenant is his word. Amen. Aren't you glad that God left us with his word? Look at verse number 15. Be ye mindful always of his covenant, the word which he commanded to a thousand generations, even of the covenant which he made with Abraham and of his oath unto Isaac, and hath confirmed the same to Jacob for a law and to Israel for an everlasting covenant. Uh, it says there in verse 18, saying unto thee will I give the land of Canaan, um, the lot of your inheritance, wherein ye were but few, even a few, and strangers in it, 
And when they went from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another, he suffered no man to do them wrong. Yea, he reproved kings for their sake, saying, Touch not mine anointed, and do my prophets no harm. And those of you that are with us on Wednesday nights, you know, we're studying of when the Lord brought them into the land that he promised them. And there in the book of Joshua, under the leadership of Joshua, the Lord was faithful to fulfill his his uh, uh, judgments, his, his uh, word, his covenant with the, his people. And we can safely stand on his promises. Aren't you thankful for him, for giving us his word and giving us his promises? So the first element of true thanksgiving is to remember the marvelous works that he has done. Second thing I want us to see in this passage of scripture is the the second element of true thanksgiving is to tell others about what God has done. To tell others. That, that's what he mentions in first of all in verse number 8 and 9. Give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon His name. Look, look at what it says there. Make known His deeds among the people. Sing unto Him. Sing songs unto Him. Talk ye of all His wondrous works. Listen, the basis of praise is declaring God's character and His attributes in the presence of others. Telling others how great our God is. You know, we're going to give you an opportunity to do that tonight in our annual Thanksgiving and praise service. But you know, praise is comely anytime. Anybody that ever has a, a hey, I, got a, I have a testimony I want to give of how good God's been. You know, we're always open to, to you praising the Lord and giving a glory due to His name. When we recognize and affirm God's goodness, we are holding up His perfect moral nature for all to see. Praise benefits us because it takes our mind off of ourselves and our problems. Man, we live in a time when people are focused on self, aren't we? But we ought to get our minds off of ourselves and our needs and, our, and we ought to focus on God's power, God's mercy, God's majesty, and God's love for us. We're to make known His deeds among the people, verse 8 says. Listen to Psalm 67, verse 1 through 3. God be merciful unto us and bless us and cause His face to shine upon us that, that Thy way may be known upon earth. Thy saving health among all nations. Let the people praise Thee, O God. Let all the people praise Thee. Uh, Psalm 78, verse number 4 through 6. So we will not hide them uh, from the, their children uh, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord. And His strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. For he established a testimony in Jacob, appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers, that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children. Now, we know that whenever uh, God brought Israel into the land, and what we're studying there in, in the book of Joshua on, on Wednesday nights, we know that they did not fulfill God's word of what they were supposed to do when it came to teaching their children right. And when you get to the book of Judges, it says there arose a generation that knew not the Lord. They didn't know God. Come up not knowing the Lord because uh, the parents were not diligent in teaching their children as they should have been. We're to make known his deeds among the people. And that people mean whoever's the people. Amen. It begins at home though. It begins at home. 
and then it, it goes on outside the home as well. We're to talk of all his wondrous works. Back there in our, in our, 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 our uh, passage here in 1 Chronicles 16, look at verse number 9. Sing unto him, sing psalms unto him, talk ye of all his wondrous works. Man, um, Psalm 107 verse 2 puts it this way, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. We ought to, we ought to thank God that we are redeemed. And we ought to be ready, willing, and able to tell others that we're redeemed and, and what the Lord has done for us. Psalm 145, verse 4 through 7 says, One generation shall praise thy works to another, and shall declare thy mighty acts. I will speak of the glorious honor of thy majesty and of thy wondrous works, and men shall speak of thy, the ter- might of thy terrible acts, and I will declare thy greatness. They shall abundantly utter the memory of thy great goodness and shall sing of thy righteousness. Man, we're to talk of all the Lord's wondrous works, especially the things that he does for us personally. Amen. And that's, uh, that's why we have this thing uh, uh, that we're having tonight, to come and give testimony and praise about how good God has been. We are also to show forth from day to day his salvation. Look at verse number 23. Sing unto the Lord, all the earth, show forth from day to day his salvation. Um, you know, Psalm 40, verse number 10 says, I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. I have declared thy faithfulness and thy salvation. I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. Psalm 71, verse 5 says, My mouth shall show forth thy righteousness and thy salvation all the day. When folks hear us speak, when folks hear us talk, can they tell that we belong to the Lord? Can they tell that we're, that, that we're His and we've been saved by His grace? That's why we're to show forth from day to day His salvation in our lives. We're to declare His glory among the heathen. Look at that verse number 24 there. Declare His glory among the heathen, His marvelous works among all nations. Another place in Psalm 96 verse 3 says, Declare His glory among the heathen, His wonders among all people. And Matthew 28 verse 19 and 20 says, Go ye therefore teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So remember the marvelous works that God has done. Tell others about what God has done. Third element that we see here is found in verse 28 and following here. And that, that is uh, true thanksgiving is offering God gifts of self, time, and resource. So we give of ourselves to the Lord. Amen? You first give of yourself. If you don't first give of yourself, the other stuff really don't matter. But the Lord wants us to give Him of ourselves. Look at verse 28. Give unto the Lord. Huh? It just it, it tells us there, give unto the Lord, ye kindreds of the people. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering. Come before him. So we're to, we're to give of ourselves first. Uh, and then, uh, you know, we know 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 31 says, Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. When we give of ourselves, we give glory through our lives 
uh, of the Lord. And uh, that is part of our giving of ourselves. Uh, we also uh, work for the Lord. Colossians 3.17, Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. You know that once you get saved, everything that you work, even your secular work, you do it, you're to do as unto the Lord. We are. Um, in fact, Colossians 3, verse 23 says, Whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. And we're to do it unto men in order to give a good testimony of whose we are. Amen. But we are to, we are to do it heartily as to the Lord. 1 Peter 4, verse 10 and 11 says, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as of the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God uh, in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Not only in the secular uh, sense of the word, doing things unto the Lord, but also as He has gifted us as His children, and listen, if you're one of God's children, understand that you have been gifted with gifts of the Holy Spirit. And you're to use those gifts uh, in the manner that the Lord would have you to use them. And that's for us to edify one another in uh, His body, which is the local church. So we're to give of ourselves. Look at, uh, we're also to give of our resources there. Verse number 29 says, says that to bring an offering there in the middle of that verse. Bring an offering and come before Him. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. We're, we're to give of our resources. Bring an offering to the Lord. Give of our time also. Take time to worship God. Come before Him. Worship Him. And I'm so glad that you come today to worship the Lord. Let me ask here, are our lives ones of thanks living as they ought to be? You know, we think of thanksgiving, but we as believers ought to have our lives uh, living thanks, thanks living, or do we take the blessings of, of the Lord for granted? Is each day a day of praise and thanksgiving, or do we just celebrate thanksgiving once a year? God wants us to be continually praising and thanking Him. Have we given ourselves to Him first? Or are we living life for ourselves selfishly, heaping upon ourselves the blessings of God without giving Him the glory that He deserves in our lives? Are you making time on a regular basis to remember the marvelous works that God's done? Do you tell others about what God has done in your life? Are you offering Him gifts of self, time, and resources? These are the elements of true thanksgiving. And if they're not in your life, how can you truly say that you're thankful to God? Amen. Let's think about how thankful that we are to Him. And if our thanksgiving is not what it ought to be, let's get back to the place of giving thanks to Him in a proper manner. Let's pray. Father, we thank You this morning for Your Word. Lord, what a blessing it is for us to have the entirety of the Word of God and Lord, you've given it to us, not only that we may know about you, but also that we may be obedient to you. Lord, you've, you've told us the things that you want in our life, and that begins with faith. That begins with believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, 
That's where life begins. That's where our life began as believers. The day that we came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and we obeyed the gospel by believing the gospel and receiving uh, the, the great salvation that you purchased on our behalf with the blood of your precious Son, Jesus Christ, there on the cross. Lord, we, we know that from that time uh, until the, the time you take us home, Lord, you are continually giving us blessings that we don't deserve. That's because you're a gracious God. We thank you for your mercy, not giving us what we do deserve. And we thank you for your grace, giving us the things that we don't deserve. Lord, help us as we receive your mercy and your grace and your forgiveness and all of the, all of the spiritual blessings that you bless us with in Christ Jesus. Help us to be, Lord, people of praise, people of thanksgiving. So not only that, uh, Lord, you might hear it from the fruit of our lips, giving praise to your name, which the Bible says we're to do, but also that others may hear of it and know of your greatness and know that your greatness can be theirs. That, that, that same grace, that same mercy that was extended to us, the same forgiveness that we have as believers can be extended to those in this world who are still lost and dying and in their sins. Lord, we just pray that you would help us in this Thanksgiving season, Lord, to, to think upon you in a, in a greater way. And Lord, that, that greater way of thinking upon you might extend beyond Thanksgiving Day. And it might extend, uh, Lord, continuously in our lives, thanking you and giving you praise uh, for what you're doing in our lives. Have your way in this invitation, Lord. If there's somebody that doesn't know Christ, help them to come receive Christ. Because the, the ultimate uh, lack of thanks in one's life is expressed in a life that does not uh, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, the greatest gift was given by you, and that's Jesus on the cross, the precious blood shed on our behalf. And when someone says no to Christ, that's the ultimate of, uh, of ingratitude. Lord, um, may a person that's living in that ingratitude of Christlessness come to Christ today. And may we that have you in our life, may we exude that thankfulness that should come from a heart that's been saved. Have your way now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.